You're listening to the Hamilton Today podcast from 900 CHML. Fascinating discussion between uh, the president of Ukraine and the president of China. Uh, what does this mean? Uh, China trying to sell some sort of peace uh, talks uh, all the way while partnering with Russia. So uh, a very, very fine line. Let's talk to Arl Brown, professor of international relations and a senior member of the Monk School of Global Affairs at the University of Toronto, and is with us now. Arl, thanks for the time. Hope you're well. Thank you. Uh, here's where I'd like to be a fly on a wall. What do you think was said? Any idea? Why is this happening now? It is interesting, uh, uh, the timing, because this came shortly after the Chinese ambassador to France, Lu Cher, made a very provocative speech in which he had said that the countries that were formerly part of the Soviet Union have no effective status in international law, and he also disputed Ukraine's sovereignty over Crimea. So this was extremely aggressive and provocative, nothing neutral about this. So Xi Jinping basically had to remedy this because at the same time, the European countries are re-examining their policy towards China. And the EU is very important to China. And they want to make sure that uh, there's no collateral damage from Russia's aggression in Ukraine. They want to look to be neutral. So the statements that the Chinese were putting out is that they are taking a neutral stance. Uh, President Zelensky said that this was an important conversation, long awaited, that uh, he wants to have the 1991 borders restored, which means that Crimea would have to also be liberated. There was no meeting of minds, but a commitment to continuing talk. And this is where we see some very interesting um, diplomatic choreography and strategic planning, because just on the surface of it, this whole conversation doesn't make much sense. They're world apart. The Chinese had made a 12-point proposal back in February, which NATO basically viewed as a non-starter because it gave many things to Russia and very little to Ukraine. That uh, 12-point proposal asked for a ceasefire. It did not talk about Russian aggression. It talked about uh, um, you know reducing uh, uh, tensions and that the sanctions against Russia would have to be lifted. So why would Zelensky, who is not only a remarkably courageous leader, but also very intelligent and really a visionary. Why would he do this? And my suspicion is that he wants to keep China engaged. He wants to make sure that China, even though it may be helping Russia, it doesn't go all out in providing Russia massively with armaments, particularly ammunition. So if and when the Ukrainian offensive comes to take back more of its territory, Russia would not be in a position that with Chinese uh, military help, it could defeat that offensive, reverse uh, that uh, uh, possible uh, series of possible gains that they make. And this is a way of keeping China engaged, while at the same time, uh, you know, pretending that there is some kind of room for a meeting of minds. At the moment, it just does not, it does not seem likely. So this is more optics than anything, because how can anybody take any of this seriously, whether you're those two or the rest of the world watching? But I guess, I guess, as you're mentioning, engagement is the key here. The optics are important because they can translate into policy. Uh, if China wants to maintain good relations with the, the EU, uh, 
And that is a really crucial relationship they have. They cannot afford the EU to go all the way to the kind of uh, oppositionist or confrontational uh, approach that United States already has, though he is moving in that direction. And you will notice that when Macron, President Macron of France, went to visit Beijing, he made some statements about distancing Europe from the United States, and he had to basically retract that when he came back because of outrage in, in Europe. Well, China does not want to push Europe even more into the arms of the United States. And so when they publicly say that they're going to stay neutral, it's more difficult for them to provide massive military aid to Russia. They're providing some because they're dual purpose things. And of course, the relationship with Russia is an important one. Uh, they called it a friendship without limits, though it is not really a partnership because uh, Beijing increasingly views Russia as a client state, uh, one that is ever more dependent and consequently ever more subservient. This is the kind of irony with what Vladimir Putin has done, that he claimed that he wanted to make Russia great again. And in a sense, he has betrayed Russia's future by making it into a subservient state to China. How will Russia react to this meeting? Or does she just say to Putin, oh, don't worry, this is just lip service, we're just playing them. Uh, how, 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 do the, how does China and Russia resolve this? The Chinese may well signal to Russia that this is more lip service, but I think uh, the Kremlin is sufficiently aware of the link between optics and substance that they most likely are concerned, and they have good reason to be concerned because uh, China is trying to play a clever game, but there is no clear solution where they can play both ends, that they can massively help Russia and at the same time not lose uh, their crucial economic connection to Europe. So for Russia, this is not a good development. It is a positive outcome so far for President uh, Zelensky. Uh, and we'll have to see how well this choreography can be worked, at least until the offensive that supposedly will take place. And at that, at that point, China could also play a useful role in coming to a settlement because even though uh, China does not want to see Russia defeated, uh, at the same time, they do not want Russia to use uh, nuclear weapons. They made it very clear, even in the 12 points. And um, they uh, would not be that averse to Ukraine joining NATO or uh, NATO-like uh, uh, bilateral kind of linkage with the key NATO countries, if uh, that's what the West chooses to do, as long as Russia doesn't suffer a total defeat. So if Ukraine can take back most of the territory or all of the territory that it has lost since uh, February of last year, uh, and uh, basically therefore show the Russian people that Russia gained nothing out of this except huge losses, and then get the kind of security guarantees that protects the rest of its sovereignty, then it might be possible that there could be some kind of compromise solution, and China could push that knowing that Vladimir Putin's long-term future is not particularly great, but at least uh, there would be a face-saving kind of exit for Putin, and that's what China could be useful. So there are so many variables at play. This is such a complex kind of diplomatic 
effort where each side wants something that they do not clearly state. What is behind uh, every statement is much more important what the actual statements may say. Uh, we've only got a few seconds left, Oral. Would China want Putin out of there and a different leader, a different headspace? It may be possible that they're getting more uncomfortable with Putin because the Chinese don't like a loser. They don't mind Russia becoming ever more dependent and more subservient. But uh, uh, a defeated Russia uh, could be highly problematic. Uh, a Russia that uh, uh, provoked the West even more is not good for China. So uh, I think the rule in international law that you don't want to have a weak ally making policy for you still stands. Aro Brown with us, Professor of International Relations and a senior member of the Monk School of Global Affairs at the University of Toronto. Always fascinating, Aro. Thanks for the time. Be well. Thank you for having me on. Thanks for listening to the Hamilton Today podcast. You can listen to the show live weekday afternoons from 3 to 6 on 900 CHML and online at 900CHML.com.